Once upon a time in Toronto, Canada. I'm sorry. <laughs> I have to do it. <laughs> You're listening to Rookie Pirate Radio, the official anime and manga podcast for InBetweenDrafts.com. I'm John Negroni. And I'm Travis Hymas. And today we have a returning guest with us for an all-new anime roundtable where we will be discussing Scott Pilgrim Takes Off. And Travis, since you're so much better at introducing guests than I am and just generally make them feel welcome, uh, why don't you do the honors? Well, today we have here the effervescent uh, editor of the In Between Drafts game section, the uh, the balance to the rest of our madness, uh, the one and only Evan Griffin joining us here. I, I, I wouldn't call it balance to the madness, but I certainly add something to it. Hi, puts, hello. Uh, you put the effort in effervescent. <laughs> effervescent. Words. Uh, welcome, Evan. We're, we're so glad to have you here. First time you and I are on Rookie Pirate Radio together. Uh, but you you've guessed it on Cinemaholics uh, a few times before, and you know, but that was that was ages ago, as we were talking about before the we started this whole thing. But yeah, welcome back to Rookie Pirate Radio. How you doing? Good, thank you. I am. Uh, yeah, I've been on Rookie Pirate Radio once before. Uh, I am a prospective uh, routine listener, but I uh, am in the midst of my One Piece catch up. But I will say as little about that as possible because i think we're working on something else with that but um yeah um that's that's me i'm coming in and uh i'm a scott pilgrim doobly-doo and so we're here to talk about things and stuff but wait evan (laughs) you're a video games editor at a media website what would you know about scott pilgrim (laughs) in terms of (laughs) no you know uh, once upon a time they they people would say Scott Pilgrim versus the world is the greatest video game movie ever made. I don't know if I particularly agree with that, but um, right, actually, you know what? That's movie. a pretty low bar, isn't it? <laughs> okay, mini 10 second rant. Everybody who's just like the video game curse, the video game movie curse, like you can't adapt a video game into something. Pokemon. The, Pokemon. the anime is an adaptation of a video game, and it's one of the biggest cultural phenomenons of all time, and people pretend like it doesn't po- exist. Pokemon, the first movie, was the highest grossing uh, international film in the, Uni- uh, in the United States to release until literally this week when Godzilla Minus One overtook that, like 25 years later. So, Pokemon's successful. I mean, you can argue its quality. Also, I like Detective Pikachu, so yeah. Yeah, I didn't love that. One. But whatever. Right. Anyway. He, he didn't love that. An, <laughs> anime uh, anime adapts video games pretty well. Uh, ironically, video games don't adapt anime very well usually. Mm. Yeah, yeah, that goes either way, doesn't it? Or it doesn't. Well, the the lesson of that story is that every sh- everything should be adapted into anime, which is probably a good segue <laughs> into. Uh, well, actually, first, um, Travis, before we take off. With our discussion of Scott Pilgrim Takes Off, I, I do have a, an email to share with you that it, it definitely Ooh. isn't fake. So this is from none other than Jamie Lee Curtis, uh, an established One Piece superfan, obviously. Uh, so I'm, I'm just going to read this. <clears throat> Dear Rookie Pirates, this is really me, Jamie Lee Curtis, and not John reading a lot of fake email for a bit. Hello. It has come to my attention that the Rookie Pirate Radio podcast community has discovered a cutting-edge new technology for correspondence on all things One Piece. However, 
it would behoove me not to ask if this utopic dreamscape where listeners like me, Jamie Lee Curtis, can interact with you, Travis, and the rest of the gang and friends of the show on a daily basis, and that has even more subgroups with topics ranging from anime and movies to books and which pizza chain is the best. Oddly specific, I know, but I'm holding out hope for Domino's. I promise this isn't John making this up. This really is Halloween Scream Queen and Oscar darling Jamie Lee Curtis. Thank Goda for the ability to email you and Travis so easily at rookiepirateradio at gmail.com. You may want to read that again in case you have a special guest with you. Not that I would know about your scheduling plans, but if that person hasn't heard in a while, it's rookiepirateradio at gmail.com, which is how I'm emailing you right now. Thanks for the memories, and Itachi deserved it. Warmest and most sincerest regards, chat GPT, I mean, Jamie Lee Curtis. Wow, Travis, talk about Starstruck. So, yeah, about yeah. I mean, it's 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 great to know that while uh, while uh, Jamie Lee Curtis is filming uh, her role on One Piece season two, that's definitely confirmed uh, that uh, she'll be taking her downtime, uh, doing her research by listening to our manga recaps for yeah. thousands of chapters later. <laughs> how do how do I get everything wrong with One Piece? I know just the two guys, and I you know Travis. I do think old Jamie Lee is onto something with that part about connecting instantly with listeners of the show and beyond. Don't you think? Oh yeah, it's uh, it's it's that thing I was going to tell you about when you went on your your big uh, your big journey uh, to find other One Piece fans to connect with and definitely not get COVID. Uh, and that was uh, we have a Discord which is linked in the show notes. Discord, of course, a wonderful little app where you can join the In Between Draft server uh, and get updates on our new articles. Uh, also, talk about One Piece spoilers if you're up to date. If you're not up to date, we have a One Piece channel there. But we also cover everything from films, games, music, and more uh we're always hanging out in there uh and waiting to hear from you discord got me through covid we, we should have done a whole channel called john got covid yeah <laughs> and it's just, just me just... being like i'm lonely <laughs> by myself I, in I, thailand I, I, be careful what you wish for i can make that, that channel was, oh no that was just oh, yeah that, evan yeah. is a mod <laughs> on the discord so if you have any requests he's here right now he's yeah he's 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 actually the uh the one who created the server so i, I so am the one i'm the one who created the server believe it or not i created that server we did a launch party for the game awards last year and that's when the uh elden rings award was interrupted by uh some child and we were travis and i were up until two in the morning trying to figure out what was going on with that child and i woke up with covid the next morning it's a yeah, curse the, uh... <laughs> It is, man. That was actually really. We should do that again. Not the game awards. We not didn't the game do that awards. We please be bothered. No. <laughs> just we a party. Be bothered. So just, just like pe- a party. Wait, wait, wait. If we do a party on the Discord, which pizza chain is going to cater? Uh, mm. Domino's. That's my. I'm. I'm wait, Evan. What, did you stake Domino's. your claim in the? Uh, you know, once upon a time, I did. Uh, the last two times I had Domino's, my my body rejected it. Um. So oh I'm not I'm not sure. I think it's going to be kind of a losing battle for either of them. Which it's just which one's going to be less of a problem. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so you're you're not picking any side. You're sitting on the fence. I, I mean, on a actual like, if I have to check a box, it's Domino's. Okay, that's but, the box. I mean, yeah. I mean, it, I mean, I haven't <laughs> have been on Cinemaholic, so I will uh, <laughs> I will stake my claim right here. Uh, it's a lot easier to get like because I have I've had to like change my diet and stuff, so it's a lot easier to still be able to get Domino's on that diet 
uh, with their options and recipes than it is Pizza Hut. So it's, it's not even a competition. You heard it here first. Domino's is like Chipotle, but even more risky. Um, okay, that's enough. <laughs> that's enough pizza Jamie Lee Curtis talk. Let's talk about this show. Okay. Scott Pilgrim Takes Off is a new-ish anime series that's now streaming on Netflix. It's based on the highly acclaimed manga-inspired graphic novel series, Scott Pilgrim, which was first written by Brian Lee O'Malley in 2004 and ran until 2010. But this is no ordinary adaptation. The title isn't only different because it's a new series, it's because Scott Pilgrim Takes Off is also somewhat based on the 2010 film adaptation and notorious cult classic directed by Edgar Wright and even features almost the entire original cast now coming into this anime as the voice actors. Taking a page from the graphic novels, the movie, even the video game, Scott Pilgrim Takes Off seemingly combines all these Scott Pilgrim mediums into a unicorn-shaped blender to tell a surprisingly fresh and updated take on the source material that goes in directions that maybe not even longtime fans will see coming. The show certainly kicks off in much the same way as the first graphic novel and movie, but by episode two, it should become incredibly clear that this new Scott Pilgrim series has reached a totally new level. And we're going to do our best to avoid spoiling these and other details for the first part of our discussion. And we will warn all of you when we do decide to go deeper and talk about things that will be a little bit spoilery. So Scott Pilgrim takes off initially released on November 17th. It's been massively praised by critics and fans alike. O'Malley himself co-developed the show with Ben David Grabinski. Evan, you are our player one. What did you think overall of Scott Pilgrim takes off? Are, are you taking off or taking it off your list of, um, I don't even know what I was doing there. Something. Um, it, it, that sure was something, John. Um, what I would say about Scott Pilgrim takes off is that I was going into it kind of like without any expectations. And I was kind of one of those original like crazy Scott Pilgrim heads where I like, I discovered it with the movie. I saw it in the movie, like in the movie theater, like three times before it left the theater because that movie bombed the weekend it came out. I like dragged friends to it. It came out on DVD. I showed it to tons of people, read the comics so many times. And I kind of just let it kind of dissipate for a little while for myself. Like in, it stopped taking up, it stopped becoming my Roman empire for a few years, um, because I realized it was getting annoying. Um, and I also kind of realized that, uh, a lot of people were taking the wrong, uh, the wrong lessons from it. And I, I feel like maybe Brian Leo O'Malley would agree with that, but I'm not a hundred percent sure. Actually, maybe this show thinks I'm that like too. I'm 99% sure. <laughs> yeah. Show. So, but like, I even played the game. Like I, I made a lot of friends with Scott Pilgrim, um, in different phases of my life. Is Scott Pilgrim in the room with us right now, Evan? No, I don't want. I don't want him. I don't want him to be. I'm afraid of him. Um, (laughs) He's terrifying. So basically, my point is, I was kind of. I'd kind of let go of it, but I love Science Saru as a studio. So when I was coming to Scott Pilgrim takes off, uh, it was really interest in that studio and uh, the incredible work that they do, especially with Masaki Yuasa. so I think that that's kind of where I was approaching it from. And even watching the first episode, I was just kind of like lulled into a false sense of security with it. And then the show kind of took off yeah, for lack of a better term. Um, <laughs> it and sound? it really, it really just kept impressing me like minute by minute after the first episode is all I'll say. 
from there. So that's it. All right. Glad you mentioned Science Saru. Uh, other people listening might have watched something else from them kind of recently. The uh, Star Wars Visions. Uh, they did, I think, two of those. Uh, I forget which ones, though. I think one of them was the droid one. But they, they did they did two of them. One of them was the twins. And then, um, no, sorry, that's not Science Saru. I messed up. That's Twin, Trigger. Twins is Trigger. Twins is Trigger. Cut that out. <laughs> <laughs> But there you go. So um, anyway, yeah, um, Science Saru, uh, very, very great to see them here. Uh, now, Travis Hymas, uh, I know your new nickname these days, it's been spreading around, Kid Thunder. Uh, so I'll just go by that since I know you prefer it. Kid Thunder. Um, Kid Thunder, what do you think of Scott Pilgrim takes off? Uh, are, did it tick you off? Uh, no, I adored it. And I'm genuinely like... To, to give some inside baseball on our section a little bit, we did our nominees and such uh, for our anime of the year. Uh, the, the cutoff for voting was the day this anime came out. Uh, I was like, I was like, by the end of the day, this is it. And anything that doesn't come out after like Pokemon Concierge, for example, just it doesn't count. And uh, and I'm really, really glad that I arbitrarily selected that date before they announced it uh, for for Scott Pilgrim, because I probably would have adjusted it just for science Saru's sake. And uh, I was taken aback, um, genuinely just enthralled with it from the moment it started. Uh, we got, you know, little previews of it where they showed that they recreated these scenes from the film like the way that the set is set up in the film right down to straight up inserting that really garbage uh poster of the lesbian kiss that that scott has in the movie like straight up photocopying it into the anime uh so i went into it like oh my god it's gonna be like seeing that movie and of course you know just like evan i adored the movie i knew about the i'd actually read the comic before the movie came out because i used to be a really big uh comic head uh when american comics were easy to read and um so so for me and my expectations for the film were, were high to begin with. It was exceptional. I saw it 10 times that summer because it was really formative. I just graduated high school. Uh, it, it really kind of sits in there. Uh, to like, I have always adored this film. My spouse adores this film. We have a, a decently sized Scott Pilgrim collection, the books, the, uh, the colorized versions and a bunch of other stuff. So expectations were high and they were met from the start. And then it only got better. There was never a moment where I thought that they misstepped or that they didn't know what they were doing, uh, which, you know, isn't surprising because the original creators involved. But, you know, stunt casting the movie cast for voice actor roles is kind of a tricky thing. I think every single one of them stepped up to the plate. I think the the way that this was presented gave them ways to explore these characters that the movie didn't afford them or couldn't afford them, really, um, in a lot of ways. And this genuinely does feel kind of unique in that it's a culmination of all these different adaptations of this material uh without necessarily retreading that material and again don't want to talk too much about it right now but that's kind of where i am excellent and frankly speaking if we uh could we would have probably put it up higher on our anime of the year list <laughs> i was generally because i came into this a little bit later like i it took me a while to watch the whole thing uh, i watched the first episode i think the day or two after it came out and i was obviously very stoked and i'm going to echo scott pilgrim versus the world extremely 
you know, formative movie for me. That movie came out, I was about like 20 years old. So I was like close to age of Scott Pilgrim. And uh, back in November, I wrote a piece for Inverse where I called Scott Pilgrim versus the world the perfect millennial time capsule. Because I watched that movie and I, I did, I watched all of Scott Pilgrim takes off and I, I hadn't read the graphic novel before. I, I had read parts of it, just like I kind of flipped through it once, but that's it. And because uh, I was kind of curious about like, how did they, how was this spread out because the movie's so condensed? And I was obsessed with the movie, but I wrote this whole thing about how the movie kind of holds up and I rewatched it after I watched Scott Pilgrim takes off. It's kind of hard not to like watch it either before or after. I think either way pays off, but it holds up so well. And part of it is that it instantly takes me back to 2010. Like it takes me back to the days of like, our hipster millennial brethren who weren't really hipsters. And we kind of just like hung out at parties. We were very cheap. We slept on each other's floors uninvited. I mean, it it was just so nostalgic for me in a way that I haven't felt nostalgic for that time in my life very often because it wasn't that long ago. It was only 13, 14 years ago. So that's actually kind of depressing to say out loud. But anyway, Scott Scott Pilgrim takes off is a dream come true for me. I was so excited by the end of the first episode because I was watching it and I had this feeling of like, this is a little slow. It, it's a little bit, it's called Scott Pilgrim's Precious Life based from like the graph, the first graphic novel volume. And I was like, okay, if, if they're, they're doing kind of a straight adaptation, it's got stuff from the movie. It's got stuff I don't recognize. So maybe that's more from the graphic novels. And then by the end of that first episode, I was like, oh, we're good. We're fine. This, this is going to be okay. Uh, everything is going to be all right. It can't be understated that Scott Pilgrim versus the world, big cult hit. Because when it initially came out, I was working at a movie theater at the time, and I worked at a second-run theater, a dollar theater, colloquially, and I dragged a bunch of my close friends out to see the movie at the expensive theater, the first-run theater, the week it came out. Big mistake. It was at the dollar theater that next weekend. It only was at first-run theaters in our area for one week, and I suspect a lot of other places they took it right out because it just completely bombed. And we're not here to talk about why it bombed and all of that. I mean, it, it was a bit of a surprise because Edgar Wright was on such a hot streak, but one of the things I love so much about Scott Pilgrim Takes Off is it takes the goodwill of the fan reaction over the years of people who've been like, no, Scott Pilgrim vs. the World is actually one of the best movies of the 20-teens. It's like genuinely one of the best Edgar Wright movies. And, you know, I I still love Baby Driver personally, but it's hard to like Baby Driver these days. Uh, That said, you can watch Scott Pilgrim Takes Off, and it's almost like it's reclaiming this sort of like um, thing that I always believed about Scott Pilgrim vs. the World and what it was trying to do, and even its flaws. Like, it's actually taking a look and having a conversation with the movie and being like, yeah, Edgar Wright being like, I, if I if I did it again, I wouldn't do that. And it's just so honest and it's so purposeful in that way. And at the same time, this thing is so dang original for something that's based off of two or three other things. I, I'm in awe of it. it. It's just so clever. And there, there's a whole thing we'll have to talk about later where I might have to accuse this adaptation of plagiarism. But we'll, we'll get to that. We'll get to that. Uh, plagiarism on me personally, by the way. Um, and, and Evan doesn't know about this, but Travis does. Uh, is there anything else you guys wanted to get into, though, before we kind of open it up a little bit and talk more about like what the heck is this thing and, and why? what did it actually do? Yeah, I, w- I would love to talk about Science Saru some more. 
and the way that they have adapted the original comic style because you're right it is a it is a time capsule and there could have been a lot of different ways that they could have you know modernized um the, the the story or the background uh but instead they very much leaned into kind of what o'malley has said before and even what edgar wright has said about the the setting for the film is like that it's almost this kind of mystical version of of like 2005 basically where like everybody still had a flip phone uh, the you know, Amazon was a new thing. Uh, they make the change in the first episode to where uh, Ramona is delivering Netflix DVDs, which is so anachronistic that like the same year this came out, Netflix stopped doing that. Um, you know, th- like these little little charms and tweaks. They really lean. Uh, it, it allows them to kind of lean back on those original comic designs, um, but you can just see how much work went into rendering them as these almost three-dimensional bodies. It's very fluid. Uh, there's tons of, tr- of, of really hard tracking shots that are happening just in the first 15 minutes of, of the show. Um, there's a, you know, there's the scene of Ramona in, in the dreamscape, which the movies don't get into, but the comic does a lot and the anime kind of splits the difference on. Uh, and it is, it's her skating through effectively Scott's uh, subconscious and it's gorgeous what a what a way to start the episode off like science aru is kind of a, a studio that's its entire premise is experimentation they never make the same thing twice it's always weird it's always with an entirely different animation style they're often implementing new technology and in a way that doesn't make me want to throw myself out of a window um they're they're always challenging themselves. It's always a new director at the helm, and in this case, they're actually adapting something that does have this really distinctive look that you can't just let go of, and they really made it theirs. I, I just I'm in awe of the work yet again. Yeah, we should mention Edgar Wright was a producer, and part of this whole thing's development was Edgar Wright being approached by someone named Jared LaBeouf about doing this back in 2018. And eventually they brought us to O'Malley and what got O'Malley into the concept was, oh, it could be something totally different. Um, something that, uh, you know, Grabinski in particular was like, there's a way to do this where we could say something really cool here and do something with this that's really true to your graphic novels. And here we are. Uh, and, and I got to say, uh, th- there's been discourse or whatever about, you know, whether or not this is anime or whether or not it's an animated series. Uh, I think the answer to that question is who cares? And uh, also, no, sorry. The answer to that question is whatever, um, which by the way, for, for my money, my favorite episode in the whole thing is whatever. And it's, it's because of the first two, three minutes uh, are just some of my favorite minutes in, in anything that I've seen in, in a little bit of time. Uh, what about you, Evan? Was there anything else that you wanted to touch on before we kind of open things up and ask the people who haven't seen this to, I mean, to politely go away for a little bit? I, I feel like we may just be an echo chamber of Buddy Holly glasses at this point. <laughs> uh, but, I mean, yes, Scott Pilgrim versus the world, I think Edgar Wright at its peak. Um, I think that um, uh, the work by science saru like travis said fluidity they're huge on tableaus and experimentation and a little bit of less is more and you see that in stuff like devil man cry baby what they did um and even films like uh ride your wave shows like keep your hands off isaac and again like those were the things that i was interested in seeing come through when they did a scott pilgrim adaptation and i feel like i got like a perfect marriage of 
their style of thing. Um, like certainly not like ping pong, but like they well, actually, if you look at the manga of ping pong, you can look at, to Scott Pilgrim takes off, right. Where they, they clearly have a deep love of these mediums and the medium of animation and translating to that. Um, and also having never been to Toronto, Canada, I've missed opportunities to go, but I know for a fact that this show tried to lean more into that as well. Um, I think that there's just a lot of care, not just from the animation crew, but from O'Malley and the co-writer, like on the actual characterization. It's the characterization for me. That's the biggest takeaway uh, for this series. Like that, that's, that's really kind of, the thing that blew me away in, in, in that I didn't realize for as much as I love the comics and the movie and the video game that we never got these kinds of characterization notes that the series goes into. Um, and I'm glad that we got that. So that's where I'll leave it. I, I've been to Toronto. Fun place. Don't go in January and <laughs> have fun. It's like, oh, just like Degrassi. Um, there you go. Yeah. Uh, let's open it up then. And I, I think that, yeah, I mean, I, I echo a lot of that and I just think that yeah, part of, part of what I appreciate the most about the animation approach is that they really didn't overdo it on trying to mimic Edgar Wright. That's what, and you really can tell if you rewatch the movie around the same time, you're like, you know, the movie is still its own thing. You can watch the movie and it it genuinely has its own kind of vision, its own style, and there's overlap, but not a ton. Like you watch the animated series, it has its own attitude, its own vibe. It's very different. And that's why I really like that all three of these things and uh, video game too, so four things can kind of just like complement each other and not be in competition, which I think is pretty great. But let's open this up. I mean, holy cow, uh, we, we start this show with just a complete topsy-turvy what in the world is going on i genuinely for a second thought that i was like oh is this in the graphic novel and i just didn't know that but then i quickly figured out i was like nope <laughs> like this is just completely so what happens travis this this is your spoiler warning this is the uh this is the moment if you haven't seen it go hop on netflix uh watch the entire thing you won't once you start you won't be able to stop so just just knock it out oh it's and, so uh, come on back we will yeah. we will we will be here um but uh i'm gonna give everybody a second okay so what happens is as the title implies scott pilgrim takes off the anime uh, for people who didn't who didn't take spoiler warning and are still listening, uh, the anime does follow the plot from the uh, from the beginning of the film to the first fight with Matthew Patel, and whereas in the film and the comic, uh, Scott beats Matthew Patel, the first evil ex, Scott absolutely eats garbage right in the like he is taken out almost immediately there are coins left if you've seen the films if you've seen if you've read the comics if you've played the games you know wait a minute what and then that's how the episode ends it just leaves it as okay now what and the entire rest of the series is something um that just radically departs from the so, from everything, from from the yeah, source material, what from, if. from movies. It's what if Scott Pilgrim died 
when he fought Matthew Patel. And then it's because because I was watching and I was like, well, what's well, well, see episode two? Let's go. And it's his funeral. And I'm just like, wait, what? that couldn't have been in the graphic. <laughs> that's amazing. And that's why that's why yeah. every time I tell somebody to watch the show, I tell them, no, you got to watch two episodes. Like, because usually you got to tell people like the rule of three, right, with pitching them a show. But it's like. You watch episode one, you're like, oh, this is just Scott Pilgrim again. Oh, he's dead at the end. I'm sure they get around that. So episode two is his funeral. Yeah. Yeah. And, and <laughs> hot take, like, like literally it took me an episode, like it, it's so good at it. It took me an episode and a half before I go, oh, the title's literal. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just like it, like it hit me like a revelation, like, oh, this is just the, like, that's how good they pull this off is like, you don't even realize, oh, he's not coming back. Right. Uh, and he's he's barely in the entire season. It's still unclear if we're going to get a season two. I pray to whatever gods may possibly exist that we get a season two of this show. Because the beautiful, miraculous thing this, this show does is it then takes the evil exes, it takes Ramona, and it makes the story about them instead of Scott. Scott is still part of the story. The whole thing is a whodunit. It's Ramona becomes the protagonist. Ramona tries to figure out what happened, and she kind of contends with her issues the way that Scott deals with his issues in the previous adaptations, uh, or the adaptation and then the original. And it's brilliant, because then we get to hang out with the evil exes. And you know what? The evil exes are so fun. I love Lucas Lee so much. I love what they do with all of these characters. And again, I said it before, like it reclaims them and it turns it from this kind of like weird, sort of awkward, goofy, try hard, quirky action adventure video game fantasy into kind of like a sitcom for lack of a better it, like it's like it's, a situational comedy it is yeah. it, it's it's like all of these yeah. characters now kind of vibing with each other and like kind of falling in love with each other platonically and more it, it's and it's really platonically um can, can i also mention how uh, the show is bingeable i forced myself to pace myself on it um but part of the reason it's bingeable is scott taking off literally is not the only thing that the show upends it's like there was a thesis for every single episode of this show that was how do we fundamentally upend the status quo of the world of scott pilgrim and the the first one's the easiest because people have said for years that scott pilgrim is Scott Pilgrim is an a-hole. <laughs> yes, yes. So, yep. like, and every, everybody knows this. He is the worst. Like, and that's kind of part of the point and what I was alluding to when I say that, like, people take the wrong lessons from it in the same way that any faulty protagonist that is an imperfect human that's trying to learn how to be better, like, Scott never really learns that, and the movie just kind of, like, settles on letting him have what he wanted, um, and I, I just love that the show just takes that away from him yeah. and kind of makes him learn his lesson a little bit, but I also, and we don't have to dig into it right here, right now, but I, it addresses the problem that I developed with the, sh- with the movie and even the, mo- uh, the manga, the comic a little bit, which is, like, Ramona Flowers, like, her as a character and this show finally tried to tackle like who is Ramona flowers? Who is she without her relationships? And I 
thought it was kind of amazing that the show is about her journey of actually just kind of figuring that out in the first place. Because for every episode where it's upending something, it's mainly the crux of it is her reconciling with her exes as a means of finding out what happened to Scott in the first place. Yeah, she um, battles each one psychologically, which yes. is her approach to the situation, yeah. Yes. And, and you kind of mentioned it, too, like, it shakes things up over and over again. Matthew Patel, you know, and for reasons that are make a lot of sense and bring up a lot of things of, like, why would they have joined this League of Evil Exes in the first place? Matthew Patel is the most, is the true believer compared to the rest of them, and he decides he's going to fight Gideon and and you're watching it and you're like, Oh, he's going to try to fight him to take over. And he's like, he's going to lose and it's going to set the stakes. And it's going to be like, wow, Gideon is such a threat. Gideon loses. <laughs> and it's just like, Oh my gosh. And then it's like, that's not even his name. And it just, it keeps doing this over and over again where it's like, yeah, this isn't Scott Pilgrim versus the world. Didn't you see the title? It's right there. It, it, uh, and 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 again, this is one of those things where it's probably like hindsight has been twenty twenty. Like being able to revisit this probably has granted a, a lot of uh, deepening of who these characters really are. But where like the comic does a lot of things that the film obviously can't do. Where there there are entire sequences where you get to see these characters kind of interact with each other in a bit more of a sitcom like uh, environment. But this show completely recontextualizes that because it's characters that have no other reasons to be in the room together. The, the the catalyst of taking Scott out of the story, putting Ramona on this active protagonist role creates, creates these bubbles where uh, characters who otherwise have zero reason to have this to be on screen together, much less have conversations are having entire fiascos together. Uh, the, you, you bring up Lucas Lee, Lucas Lee and Gideon slash Gordon. <laughs> uh, oh, yes. Bro day where they ruin Julie's house. Uh, it's is, Looney is Tunes. Just, it's Looney it's Tunes straight stuff. up Chuck it's Jones. So good. Like... <laughs> they, they, they watch a uh, they watch a romance anime and that yeah they build a half pipe in the living room the romance anime by the way that oh yeah but there's 12 hours of backstory had me losing backstory. my mind when so laughter. good it's so good and and it and it, it what's great about it is it's played for laughs like all of these are played for jokes uh the 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 roxy and kim thing is a play on the Kim and Knives thing from the comic uh, that the game uses as an attack, which is weird, you know, but it's, you know, and it's played like a joke, but it's not played um, as like a, as like specifically a negative. It's not like this is a joke that these guys are hanging out. It's a joke that these people are hanging out. It's a joke that these two characters have become, you know, an item. uh, And what does that mean? They all, are revealing about these characters to help make that make all of their relationships seem more healthy by the end of it. Uh, so when we do actually put all of this cast in the same room together, which didn't happen in any other version of this story, the way that they act is dra- is, is drastically different, but also completely true to every other version of them. Uh, it is a balancing act that most stories cannot pull off 
very well. Like even when even when I would say they're good, there's fans that are like, oh, well, they changed this thing and it was my read of this character. You cannot tell me that like Roxy trying to like pull a, a friends with benefits situation with Ramona <laughs> and then immediately like turning to Kim Pine and being like, hey, you want to make out like is it entirely consistent with every other version of that character? It exactly. is spot on. It, and it's spot on. <laughs> it, it, it's it, it's great. I keep going back to that, but there's plenty of examples. I do eventually want to talk about Kieran Culkin's true greatest role, which is, of course, that of Wallace Wells. Um, I genuinely like Wallace Wells, the, the delivery of that line and the passion behind it. But I, I got to turn to Knives Chow since you invoked her and mm, just yes. the like she still is, I think, probably the best character in the movie. And the the character who I think is just like the actor, Ellen Wong, the person who just really gets that role and absolutely brings it 110% compared to everybody else. And everybody else brings it, you know? So that's I, how impressive it is. I was the most impressed with her as a voice actor. Like, Incredible. I, I, could, I could tell a lot of them, like, really wanted to, like, get into it, but some of them are, like, you know, screen actors. Some of them actors, are like, yeah, like, I want to hang out with my friends, you know, yeah, again. Yeah, they, but, that like, was a, she, she yeah. understood the assignment when she came back to play Knives for this. Yeah, she's a born performer, and I think that, like, you can tell that the, the cast came to do this because... This this movie infamously or famously, however you want to say it, was a great set. Like people had a great time there. People really enjoyed working with Edgar Wright. Edgar Wright has always looked back fondly on the shooting of the movie and been like, yeah, you know, the movie didn't work out, but we had a hell of a time making it. Um, Ellen Wong in this, who gets to have this like awesome, like best friendship with Steven Stills. And it's just, it works so well. She gets to be a musical genius too. I mean, it, it's just so inspired, quite honestly, because, you know, the band doesn't break up necessarily, but like the fact that like her love of the band was genuine. It wasn't just her trying to like going after Scott. It was like actually rooted in something else. And like, it's not even a rewriting of the character. Like you're saying, Travis, it's just, yeah, it's recontextualizing the character. It's further deepening the character through yet another adaptation. And that's what great adaptations should do. They should further, they should enrich. You know, the great prequels do the same kind of thing. Spinoffs and everything else. It's really hard to do. And that's why I find it altogether impressive, to be quite honest. Yeah, especially with Knives, like you realize throughout the course of of the series, like what they're doing with her, because she's always she's never like the central focus of a, of a scene. That's true of every adaptation of this. And that's kind of the joke that it's doing, because uh, it's weird that she's there. Like, that's always the thing that it is. But they start to like her more her, than Scott. They, and why would well, they, they do? She's super because, fun. Because because to, to Evan's point, Scott is kind of a black hole of suck that never had to get his act together until the end of the movie yeah. or, you know, the, the climax of the story. So, you know, Scott is Knives' gateway to this kind of music, to, to this kind of scene in the first place. And, you know, credit words to, to the, to the, to the Gen Zers, they are doing their best, but a lot of people just immediately read malice into, into that. Um, and obviously the story has never endorsed Scott in this way. It's never really, it's never shied away from the fact that like knives probably shouldn't be here with these people because they're all terrible. But here, by getting him further away from her, she's not only no longer pushed down by like her parents keeping her away from things that she might be interested in, um, like the larger indie music scene, but the talents that she actually has. She's allowed to spread her wings because Stephen Stills has no interest in anything other than furthering that. 
he becomes kind of a sort of mentor to her, not in a creepy way, not in a you yeah, know, not in a big groomy brother. way. He's yeah, he takes on that big brother role and and he is just in awe of her the whole time. He's like, oh, and that subsequently gives him something that he's never had in any version of the story. And that's some sort of grounding about his own like self-esteem with with his music and his performing. It's what he wants to do, but the, it, it never gets resolved really until yeah. now. Yeah. Um, if I have any criticism, it's that it, and it kind of plays into I think they need another season because there are still some characters here. It's such a crowded ensemble and we do have so many people getting to stand out and do their thing. There are some characters that it, my complaint is we don't get enough. And it's okay, I think, because the writing is good and that, you know, too much of a good thing and all that. But Envy, I wanted way more. I, I wanted way more of a, a deep dive into that character. Brie Larson comes back to player. Obviously, Clash, you know, a demon head is still a perfect band that it's a straight up bop. It's a banger and a half. Um, also, the twins. I feel like they always just get shortchanged over and over again. They, they don't get a lot. They get more here than they, the movie. They, like, they, way Yeah, more. they were still a plot device here, really, more than anything. <laughs> They're like, we got to get up to seven, make them twins. That's how it always comes across to me. And I I have to assume that the graphic novel does them justice comparatively, but they, I the, think they have more uh, lines of dialogue here than <laughs> in the manga. Oh, okay. Actually, they're, no they're, way. they are like, it's, it's almost played for a gag that like, we, like you said, Oh, we got to get to seven. Uh, do two of them at the same time. Like, like it is almost itself kind of like a, a, a cutaway jokey Oda style thing where it's like, Oh, you cared so much about this. And actually it was all just a pun, uh, you know, <laughs> and it's, it's debatable. I, I do, I do like the idea that like, uh, I, we haven't talked about the real big twist still yet, but, uh, I do like their role in that, that they become players in how that all sequences, uh, because again, it's one of those things where it's like, that's, that's potentially a future that already existed. I, I like that idea. Like that could be something cool to explore. Yeah. Again, though, season two, I think that they could easily do something like that, but it's, it's unclear if this could ever, you know, hope to get everybody back for, I mean, it, it's such a stacked voice cast, as we mentioned, um, you mentioned Wallace Wells, Wallace Wells and Todd Ingram. Um, oh my goodness gracious. Like that entire arc, that entire, it's arc one of the incredible. best through lines of the entire show. It's such a great <laughs> gag. Uh, the vegan relapse, um, Brandon Ruth just, uh, you know, does, does great here. But I mean, Kieran Culkin, you can just tell that, that like, he is Wallace Wells. Wallace Wells is his greatest role. That's right, Succession fans who definitely listen to this One Piece podcast. I said it. It's true. It's his career-defining move. Uh, and like, I, I cannot stress enough just how incredible the like the movie version of Wallace is. And everything about the anime just kind of blows it out of the water, honestly. Um, Wait, you don't like Fuller his... from Home Alone? I was about to no, mention I think, it. Well, he, that's and... who he is. That's, that's what I'm saying. It's just like... <laughs> yeah, it's just it's the <laughs> you know, it's it's just the the fact that he gets a bigger role uh, and literally tries to steal the show. But then they use that relationship with Todd to demonstrate, like, number one, queer relationships can be just as messy as straight ones. That's great. Uh, but like to talk about the, the more thematic elements, you know, that that stuff with like sparks that happen, like like what's actually special about Scott and Ramona? Well, we're going to explore that by matching up a bunch of other characters yeah. and, and show you what they might see in each other. And then for Todd to be just outwardly rejected, it's it's actually kind of heartbreaking. 
Uh, again, perfect, perfectly I, delivered by Wallace. It's in character for him, but it's you feel for a guy who in the movie you, you very much enjoyed seeing getting headbutted. Like I literally incredible. can't not think of Todd sulking over a bucket of popcorn with a stick of butter <laughs> on top in my mind's eye or whatever. More. It's More. so good. It's so good. <laughs> it's just such a very um, so, funny show. It, it is. So on that note, Travis, because I, I like that last note that you mentioned there about like all these different matchups, because a big thing that stands out to me is the show making a point of exploring relationships that aren't romantic relationships. Um, maybe maybe they could be, maybe they're flings, um, but a lot of them are just platonic or just like friends or like making friends or like mutual friends. And I think that that's huge because I think that a lot of what gets hung up on in the the lore of Scott Pilgrim is exclusively what's going on with the romantic relationships between the history with Envy, the history with uh, Ramona and the exes, the history with Knives and the Ramona thing and all that. And I think that it's actually such a mature, really fascinating move to take all of these characters and give them a complexity by not like mixing and matching them in a way that like, a lesser show what it's like actually having an illustration of what friendships are like in your twenties, um, which I think is really cool. And I almost wonder, I don't know if this is true for sure, but I feel like all of these characters are personally and emotionally better off without Scott in their lives, or at least for the better part of this show, because the only ones that Scott really spends time with, besides Wallace, who can get along with anybody because he's a perfect human being, mm, um, Wallace is uh, the twins. And we were just complaining about the twins and how they're really just a plot device and they're just hanging around jamming with old Scott to make a time machine. Like, but they whatever. are bros. They're, they're bros. And I think it's cool that they're bros with old Scott because somebody's got to be. But, <laughs> like, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, but, and to your point, since we're now talking about the the real big twist, which is, of course, that Scott Pilgrim didn't die and was, in fact, kidnapped by a future version of himself, voiced by Will Forte. <laughs> as you do. Um, as you do. Uh, that sounds because, so familiar. Yeah, mm. right? Because, um, you yeah, know, we're going to get to it. It's coming. Uh, because, uh, you know, uh, basically, it's almost implied that it's the movie version of him. Uh, that comes back because after that movie wrapped, everything was fine for a while. Uh, and then it got hard. And that version of Scott wasn't, you know, complete yet. So he tried to get it back uh, by undoing it all, basically. And it's kind of a weird commentary on the neat and tidiness of movies, isn't it? It, it is. And, and and I think it's even a, a commentary on the on the the necessity of stories. Uh, like that they end, but they don't necessarily end like there should have never been a perceived finality to this, like like Scott and Ramona, one true pair kind of thing. Like, yes, but also maybe no. Um, but what I love about that twist is not once does the story ever give up on Scott. Like, like, like you said, Evan, like you could make the the pretty reasonable argument that some of these people could just not use Scott Pilgrim in their lives. But he has the capacity to be some be someone who is worth having in their life. And, you know, even even the old Tekken version of himself that he becomes, you know, still can work on himself potentially. Um, and that there's still, you know, within reason, 
the capacity to be forgiven, the capacity to do better, which is, I think, a much better coda to end that series on than even the movie does, really. Because the movie does, like, have a lot of messaging about, like, self-acceptance and, and you know, that, that Scott's own, you know, kind of self-loathing is why he was the way that he was. But this really personifies that to the point where it makes it very clear that he's being destructive. Well, especially to the point where, as much as I love the movie, and uh, it, it almost like the ending of that movie was so in flux while they were making it that there's like a famous like alternate scene where he ends up with knives at the end because like they couldn't really decide what to do as an ending and what felt right, so they did a bunch of test screenings and just did it based on that, and that's not really kind of a way for a relationship to turn out. That's a piece of entertainment. So I think that's an interesting way to explore it. At the time, the ending was still being written. Like, like, like O'Malley knew the, you know, the, 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 the notes, right? Like, this is how I want to get there. But, like, he's even said that, like, the, the film ending kind of does stuff that he wishes he'd done in the book. Like, like it throws out the power of love immediately. <laughs> yeah. I don't want to rewrite this stuff, but I wish at the end of the movie that he didn't, he doesn't end up with either of them, but years down the road realizes what he had with knives, even though she was too young at the time, she was somebody that he had more chemistry with. Cause you see it in the movie. They have more chemistry. The end. I don't care who, who says it, but if you watch Scott Pilgrim versus the world, it's infectious like he and knives get along really well and like it's his own you when you watch it it comes across more of like the problem their relationship is him it could be great but he is somebody who just doesn't you know he gets his own in his own way about it and he does something horrible to her but look this is me this is the big knives fan i have nothing against ramona i just think ramona can do better and so What's interesting is because uh, John, I know Nice-can that you're really too. you're really uh, yeah. gunning for a season two. And what's funny is I came into this recording uh, actually thinking myself, don't need a season two. That's it. Like do a single season and that's it. Like it's a part of a trifecta of the different versions of Scott Pilgrim, and it's a part of that puzzle. But like if they did do a season two, I would like to see more of everything. But if we were going to add one thing, I would actually like to see more of like what is scott and ramona actually as a relationship the most i've ever actually seen of that is in the comics like in those middle volumes because they're together for an extended period of time and it doesn't feel like it's a race to the finish um so i i almost feel like if we ever did get a season two that that's what i would want to see more of because that's the only question i came away with is like sure there's the sparks as like a mechanic for the end of the show but I'm like, what do these two actually see in each other now that I'm looking at it, like now that I'm older? Exactly. So. And you can you have an opportunity to dive into his backstory and incorporate more of Stacy Pilgrim, because that's another character who kind of misses out on a lot of this. Like, I'd say, like, Kim Pine has a, a lot more, but also kind of just disappears from the show after a while. A bit, and yeah. a lot of these characters are so instrumental to Scott's backstory that I think it would be great to to go further into them. Yeah, and uh, and then you can actually see that 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 twist, you know, that the chain, you know, the 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 time, and like, hey, I want to be a different person. You could see him actually put that into practice and make that the struggle now. Exactly. Yeah, because that's that's not totally resolved yet. He says like, oh, I won't turn out that way. Well, I mean, uh, yeah, I, I, we'll see, right? But I, I yeah, do think that yeah, it's it's leaning in that it. direction where if the evil exes are still alive and they're like a group of friends in a Toronto sitcom where you can literally have an episode start with like the family matters theme, then 
yeah, you have like for Scott, a support system that could be part of the message. He could have this kind of like building rapport with people who used to be his enemies, all that fun stuff that you want to see in, in anime. Right. Uh, yeah. Well, well, and, and, and you still have like the hook, right? You have that little coda they put at the end with uh, Julie and, and, and exactly. Yeah. That's, Gordon. that's really what I want to see. Yeah. What are they going right, to do? Right. At the like, end, just like, keep your oh, eyes they're going to, you know, I mean, keep, keep you, your eyes on them. That's fine. You jest that those are things that we don't want to see in an anime, but like you look at science Saru's work and they do a lot of that right they they do a lot of that yeah it is their bread and butter like you look at ping pong just ping pong alone like sure the 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 matches in that are exhilarating but a lot of what the crux of that show is is the emotional connection between them yeah we haven't even talked about how incredible the action is in this yeah to your point (laughs) i was gonna say to your point this this whole episode we have somehow not brought up the fact that there is a ninja paparazzi fight with lucas lee on a skateboard set uh by the way to a song from the tony hawk soundtrack yes of course (laughs) the the soundtrack's amazing too but then also ramona and roxy getting like catapulted into like a film history other universe that somehow also coincides with the subconscious uh, stuff that has been set up i mean it's brilliant it's such good staging such good choreographing and scene structure i just love it yeah and, it, and it's not overdone it's not it doesn't overstay its welcome uh it's it, it kind of is used to cap off each episode it kind of follows a really strong flow i mean even the animation that they recycle is incredible because it's not only good but it makes a point because they start every episode after the first one with ramona changing her hair because she always changes her hair uh and you, you kind of realize that that's repetitive for a reason i felt refreshed along with her honestly yeah I was like, it's Ooh, this so is nice. good it you don't mind and then you it, it, and then you realize oh they're making a point with this right and uh and it's, it's a just, ritual. What a, it, yeah, it's a ritual. It's a thing that she uses as as her own kind of like reset, if that makes a sense. A metaphor of like going from guy to guy, hair color to hair color. Yeah, or? yeah. It, it's it's her own. It's her own. Uh, you know, not necessarily healthy coping mechanisms, right? Um, but but you know, speak, speaking of all of that, though, um, we got to get into John's cope because we cannot let this cope. Oh, we cannot oh, you let mean, this. Um, Okay. We cannot let this go. Oh, without, is this the uh, thing that I don't know this. about? I'm going to yeah. find out okay. about it now. So the big twist, right, is that it, the whole show, the whole story is set around a mystery of like this person has gone missing in this story that references and is self-aware of a lot of other interconnected properties, right? And the twist is that the person was kidnapped by their future self in order to prevent a canon event that happens in these other properties. That's the exact setup, construction, and twist of the serial novel I wrote in 2013 and 2014. I promise I wrote this kind of fan fiction-y kind of thing called The Pixar Detective. It was the first creative writing I ever wrote, and it was called The Pixar Detective. I released a new chapter every two weeks. That was the big twist. I don't care. It's, it's been out for 10 years. I don't care about spoiling it. But that's the big twist, is that the kid from Monsters, Inc., gets kidnapped by her future self is the witch from brave and like it's literally the same and i tell this to travis and travis's response is from now on please call me kid thunder my my actual my actual response was to send him uh was to send him the h bomber guy plagiarism video (laughs) (laughs) obviously it's a fluke of cosmic proportions but 
Okay, but is that not kind of like eerie? How similar that I'm I mean, not gonna lie, John. I didn't realize you were gonna be talking about your own form of writing, and I thought you were talking about uh Spider Verse. This is me we're talking about though, so it's <laughs> I, mean, I I would I would suggest find out if somebody <laughs> read your AO3 post and put it in the Sony leaks because that seems like the most likely thing that happened. To defend myself, the Pixar detective was widely read. Like, we're talking about hundreds of thousands to millions it, it of, was, like, downloads and views. He sent me the site because I, like, I was like, prove it. He and didn't so leave he me. Did. <laughs> but a lot of people did read this. It, and it, it, Because what happened was it was part of the Pixar theory thing. People kept asking me to add to the theory and I was like, oh, I'll write a whole novelization kind of thing for it. So people read that because they liked the theory, right? I'm not saying that Grabinski read it. I'm not saying that when he pitched Brian Lee O'Malley that he hopes that Rookie Pirate Radio never gets to this and catches wise. It's been too long. He he shook his fist. Um, Negroni will never catch on to us. Kid Thunder, <laughs> that hack, he won't figure it out either. He's no, he's no detective. <laughs> yeah. So... But we, we figured it out, and we're not asking for a check, but we do want to be in the credits. That's it. And, and, and a Discord link. <laughs> just just stick it right All there right, in the Netflix enough, description. I guess that's enough joking around and spitting wise. Um, any, any last, uh, anything else to, to cap that off, at least in a way that is uh, meaningful and useful to people listening? My brain is stuck on Travis's Kid Thunder name, and I need a One Piece bounty poster with that name and his face yeah, on it. Oh my gosh, now, John is literally going to go make that now. I, like, like that's it's never. Uh, people are going he has to start this doing that in like, the Discord now. It's like forty million mm, berries mm, and a Discord 40, link. Yeah, and a Discord link. I, the Discord link is mandatory, right? Um, I do. I do want to. Uh, I'm, I'm about to like lose my thought because I got completely uh, distracted by that. I do want to say we talked a lot about the uh, the movie cast coming back doing the voiceovers. That's great. I love it. No notes. Uh, genuinely, I think everybody did a good job. You know, some are more attuned to doing voiceover work than others. It is. Got a shout is. out Jason Schwartzman and Johnny Simmons. Love them too. Yeah, totally. Uh, they're so good. Uh, young Neil. Young Neil does more in this. We could talk forever about it, but uh, but I do also want to highlight the Japanese. Uh, voice cast is i didn't i didn't have a chance to check this out oh boy it is stacked um it's michael sarah speaking japanese uh no it's it's actually it's actually kind of an all-star uh cast of of folks doing like of the anime scene uh doing some of these iconic characters uh you know for this series and kind of leaning into it um I love that if you're a power fan, for example. Um, oh, like Chainsaw Man's power? If Ch- Chainsaw Man's power, uh, you know, she she's one of the, she's kind of like popping off. She's Ramona Flowers. And if you needed to know that, it, like if you needed that in your life, uh, get it. It's, it's, it's good. Like it's just a talented stacked cast. Um, watch it back in Japanese. Like, you, like you've already watched I, you it. Know you know what? Back to listen I, to this. I might because I... I, I I'm surrounded by people that skip OPs and I always love hanging on Criminals. and let, letting the OP play, play through. And the OP for this show was really good. And uh, I mentioned it because I kept forgetting that it's like a, an English based like adaptation thing. And like all of a sudden everybody's speaking English. I'm like, Oh right. Scott Pilgrim. What? <laughs> this isn't just another <laughs> anime. <laughs> so I, I do want to yep. kind of shout out. I, I just saw that, uh, the voice actor for Scott Pilgrim is Hiro Shimono. That's uh, Dobby from My Hero Academia, uh, My Hero Academia, 
So Indeed. what a fun little, yeah. And also Zenitsu, uh, Zenitsu from uh, Demon Slayer. Wait, so it's kind others. of perfect, right? Kind of a perfect uh, in between oh, and also, for him. Okay, uh, um, which we can't say anything about because Evan's here. But uh, yeah, I I don't I don't know just, who that is. I assume it's yeah, a One Piece just, character. Just I haven't imagine to yet. imagine the Garp panel. You know the one. Got it. <laughs> forget yeah. it. Forget yeah. I said anything. <laughs> All right. Um, well, if that's it, boys, uh, I think that this was a, a very productive conversation about a cheesy video game anime with really good jokes and i i mean we could shout out a lot of people a lot of great directors were behind this uh, first episode abel uh the animator abel gungora directed and wrote this one and yeah i mean it's just it's just a treasure trove this whole thing uh we can't recommend it enough and uh, i want to rewatch it um it won best animated series for critics choice happy to say that i took part in that and uh i do it again because uh, I, re- I really love this thing. And uh, and surprisingly so, because th- look, for best animated, best anime of 2023, that was a tough call just for me, like looking back on this year, because this year has been full of great stuff. And I know some people in the Discord are probably wondering, you know, well, first of all, you know, is, is Jamie Lee Curtis going to be a guest? But also... When's Jujutsu Kaisen Season 2 going to get its own thing? And you're going to have to ask Travis. He's the one who keeps delaying it. Uh, uh, well, Can you John blame has him? To stop yell- <laughs> <laughs> John has to keep yell. Um, has to uh, has to keep yelling at me a little bit more. Uh, I needed the to process get out of my grief and trauma we, before we. Uh, Evan, yeah. you want to come back? I for have that? finished it. I did. I did <laughs> watch season two. So do, do, yeah, you you want me to you want to come back for a funeral dirge? Sorry. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Um, oh man oh man yeah yeah just let me know we gotta we gotta get it in soon though uh so john can go look at uh he i told him he had to stop following usher on tiktok uh today because i can't i cannot believe that we are recording an anime podcast on the day that usher committed a crime of anime (laughs) (laughs) crime and and i you look for me i like jujutsu kaisen season two sure Okay, but you know what's been on my mind? You know what I'm going to be reading after this because it's all the rage. That's right, solo leveling. And as somebody who reads the light novels, I'm so stoked because the adaptation is very good. And uh, wait, wait, Travis, does In Between Drafts have episode recaps of solo leveling by the editor-in-chief of the website up on the site right now? Well, John, you know, now that you Uh, mention it, we sure do. Uh, We have the first two uh, episodes uh, reviewed and critiqued by our uh, fearless editor-in-chief. We're also covering Delicious in Dungeon week to week. Uh, Our uh, our unflappable Kayla Chu is covering uh, that because uh, she's a huge fan, and you can tell in her reviews. Um, I love the cooking puns already. We're in for a treat. Uh, So be sure to check those out. Yeah, Allison Johnson and uh, Light Kid Thunder. She's, of course, Sister Master, uh, as everyone knows. Lord Sister. Um, but yeah, uh, that'll do it. And uh, Evan, don't worry, your nickname's coming. Um, it'll probably be uh, an Inside Joker Easter egg reference to the Pixar detective on sale now for free. Um, but thanks so much for listening, everybody. It's time for us to take off. And uh, we do have another uh, One Piece chapter. And I, Travis, wouldn't you know it, I have the raw scans right on my desktop ready to read tonight. And I'm very excited. And uh, I'm going to send you some cryptic hints uh, momentarily. Uh, and, and Evan, I will not send you any hints because you're somewhere in Sabari Archipelago or I'm Impel Down. somewhere in Impel Down, actually. Impel Down, that's right. So, you know, is, you're, you're getting cruising. there. Though. He's on the cruise. All right. See you, see you later, everybody.
Okay, bye.